Gigi Godwin, the president and CEO of the Montgomery County Chamber of Commerce, joins Public Interest Podcast to speak about what it takes for businesses to thrive in a community. Gigi speaks about the responsibilities of government to retain and attract new businesses to Montgomery County and also speaks about the various responsibilities that businesses should have towards their own community. Of course you need uh, a great uh, workforce, a talented workforce. What will attract them? Of course it's a good school system, but it's also going to be great airports. It's going to be housing. It's going to be access to amenities. Stay tuned for more from Gigi about the relationship between a business and the community it serves. Hello, and welcome to Public Interest Podcast with your host, Jordan Cooper, where we have been interviewing politicians, activists, advocates, and others since 2016 with the intention of ennobling public service, creating a platform for positive civil discourse, and facilitating dialogue with difference. This show is the antidote for those who are tired of hearing about what's going wrong with the world. We showcase people just like you who are working to leave the world better than they found it. And that's good news. And now a word from former President John F. Kennedy with his views on public service. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. I'll remind you that this show is made possible by viewers like you. If you appreciate what we're doing here at Public Interest Podcast and enjoy this episode, please contribute $1 at publicinterestpodcast.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. We are here today with Gigi Godwin, the President and CEO of the Montgomery County Chamber of Commerce, the Treasurer of the Montgomery County Chamber Community Foundation, and the former President and Co-Founder of the Women's Council on Energy and the Environment, as well as a former trustee for Montgomery College. Gigi, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? Thank you, Jordan. Very well. It's great to have you with us today. So, thank you. So, the first thing I'd like to ask you is, what are you currently doing, or what have you ever done to advance the public interest, and why? Well... Uh, I think a little context is necessary here. You know, why do why does anyone care, and why do I care about what is in the public interest? Uh, you and I talked earlier about how I started life in Gary, Indiana, uh, in the Midwest near Chicago. Why is that important, and how did, how is that related to being here today? Well, I am passionate about access to opportunity. I'm first-generation American. My family, both sides, was in the steel industry. I know just what it looks like to have a front-row seat for an economy that was robust, vibrant, and then changed and became less so. I also know how important it is to be able to breathe the air, drink the water, and walk the streets because those also were problems that developed in Gary, Indiana, where I grew up. I became very interested in uh, public interest issues because of where I grew up. My parents were passionate, very engaged in the community, very engaged in local politics, uh, and and really brought those values home. One of the guiding principles I grew up with was uh, you must, you are obligated to leave things better than you found them. And that is central to what drives all of the work I've done throughout my life. Uh, before I came to the chamber, and, and which is why I, I am at the chamber and really happy to be here and proud to be here to work with the entire community. So what are some of the, let's talk about the role of the Montgomery County Chamber of Commerce in our community as it relates to water, air, creating a robust economy, ensuring there's public safety. What is the role of the chamber in Montgomery County? Well, I'm glad you asked that because Montgomery County Chamber of Commerce many years ago reached out to the county's Department of Environmental Protection Mm -hmm. and said, 
it is uh, good for our businesses to have a way to participate in being green, and I don't mean green wash, mm-hmm. uh, I mean really green, to contribute to what is the community's challenge of too much waste in the waste stream. So, uh, yes, of course, there are lead platinum buildings, and that's wonderful if you're in a lead platinum building, but mm-hmm. most small businesses are about our size, and they lease space, and they have very little control over those lights overhead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how you behave is just as important as where you have your office. Of course, it's important to have buildings that are smart buildings uh, and high-performance buildings. Mm-hmm. Terrific. But what else do we need to do? It's, it's the classic problem in environmental protection, which is the last mile. Mm-hmm. It's the classic problem in developing a technology. You can get 80, 90% of the way there, but how do you get that last piece in place? Well, meanwhile, we knew the federal government. I have a federal background. I think you know that. I, I worked, uh, you know, early in my life, I, had, I was uh, at EPA as an intern. Completely changed my life, which is why I'm such a fan of internship and programs. You were Stafford. I was House Energy and Commerce Committee, and I was part of the team that helped draft uh, the Superfund legislation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Superfund bill was very controversial. I would say... Um, there's a lot to that story, but uh, I learned a lot there about how important it was and what what doesn't work well when you don't have all stakeholders in the conversation. And what I observed was not enough participation by the business community in many ways to do something, not just one right way. And, and in environmental or any technology area, there are many right ways to do something. So being informed by that, and uh, you know, much earlier in my career, being informed by how important it is to have a clean environment based on where I grew up, and then to be here so much later and, and find we have an opportunity here. How do we get that last mile? How, and how, how are my businesses who, by the way, in Montgomery County, we are the home of not just small businesses, but federal contractors. Montgomery County is number one in the nation for small business health IT firms that are federal contractors. That's in the did you know category. And the other did you know is that Montgomery County is number two in the nation among all counties simply for all small businesses, not only health IT, but others that work directly with the federal government. So why is that? What's the connection between that and the Green Business Program? We knew the federal government was going to change how it procured. Mm -hmm. It was indicating to its biggest prime contractors, we're going to buy differently. And it matters to us that you have embraced green practices. Well, this is going to flow down to our small businesses. Our small businesses are, are, are run by people, and people believe they're, re- they're recycling at home. Why would they be somebody different at work? They're not. So they just needed a way to do it. So we reached out to the Department of Environmental Protection and said, could we sit down and have a conversation about this? And this was years ago. Was, oh, my goodness, eight years ago, nine years ago uh, that we did this. And I'm really happy to say after two years of bringing lots of different sizes and different industry groups together with the Department of Environmental Protection. We came up with a voluntary program. Our companies love participating in it, and it's an asset even, not only are they reducing waste in the waste stream so that we are incinerating and burying less, Mm -hmm. which is important to us because we care about the place that we live, right? But in addition to that, it's important uh, for attracting the next generation of talent. The next generation of talent wants to work for companies that have a sense of corporate social responsibility. We're all in this together, right? 
So anyhow, it's turned out to have a lot of other benefits, mm -hmm. and that's how we, that's just one example of something that we think is important, uh, a value that we hold, and we know it's good for business. Doing the right thing is also, is, is also a good thing to do. So you talked about the value that having single stream recycling and, and uh, reduced waste is bringing to businesses. You said that the way that you're able to get them to buy in is that one, they may be, consumers may prefer to do business with them because of their environmental stewardship and then also because they may be able to attract new hires uh, who wish to work in a socially responsible business? Yes, you know, if you if you were to just to pivot a bit here, this really gets us into a huge issue in Montgomery County. Um, as as you mentioned, I was a I'm a former trustee at Montgomery College, and before I came to the chamber, I did a lot of community work, mm -hmm. um, a lot of fundraising around education and access to opportunity. Again, something really important to me as a value, as a life value. Um, and we, if you were to ask a CEO of the biggest or the smallest firm or anybody in between that's not only in Montgomery County but in the region, the thing that's keeping them up at night, access to top talent. That is the biggest single problem. Hmm. That so, is it because if you don't have the, 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 the right talent for the, for the right positions in, in a company, and frankly that, that applies to federal, state, and local government, I mean all... The, Getting access to talent is the single biggest issue, keeping all of my CEOs up at night. Interesting. So, mm -hmm. so we were speaking um, earlier about the Superfund site, which is a really interesting topic. First of all, um, before I go any further, can you define what Superfund is? Okay, so Superfund was a way to raise money to clean up the illegal hazardous waste dump sites. This came out of something that, you know, I don't know if you know this story, but there was some, a place called Love Canal in mm -hmm. the state of New York, mm -hmm. and it was a site of illegal dumping. And it's, uh, the chemicals seeped into the water, and the whole community became very ill. And uh, this went on and on. And, and, and really what was interesting about it is that um, there isn't, a, at the time, there wasn't a, a single congressional district in the United States didn't, that didn't have at least one documented site. So it was everybody's problem. And, and it was addressable. If you get to it, you know, if you stop the, the uh, sites from leaking into drinking water, right? Because if you can't drink the water right. or breathe the air, you're in trouble, right? So I'd like to use this topic of a super fund to segue into the responsibility of a business to the community in which it's located and vice versa, what's the responsibility of the government or in that community to those businesses? How do they attract businesses? I know we had spoken about this a little bit offline. So mm -hmm. with the topic of a super fund, you clearly have a business that had been derelict in its responsibility to the community and had caused a great incidence of cancer and, and, and mortality. Uh, and of course, there's, much, there's many conversations you, you spoke about um, businesses having uh, um, are having difficulty accessing top talent and perhaps that there may be some role for government in attracting that, that talent. So I'd like to ask you to just reflect on the responsibility of businesses to the community in which they're located and the responsibility of government to businesses and what they can do to attract and support businesses in the community. Well, I think the world has really changed in the, in the department of, you know, our, our businesses, certainly the businesses I'm working with, and they are you know, some of the largest in the world and some of the you know, the smallest, most fabulous high-tech startups. I mean, there's a huge range that uh, I'm engaged with here at the Chamber, and I would say to a company, every single one of them, 
uh, is responsible when it comes to environmental stewardship. The world has changed, and and I would also say that our uh, our companies have done uh, made incredible advances and and done great things when it comes to advancing. Um, uh, you know the the attraction of talent from every sector. You know from every every kind of person, uh, all all forms of diversity in terms of talent and background and, and everything else. I I feel the government um, is is certainly you know doing its best to to try to catch up on that. Sometimes government processes are harder to fix, mm-hmm. uh, but I think the federal government's certainly been a leader, a county and state. Um, you know they've they've done a good job as well. I think it's all changed. So the things that I'm describing to you that happened, you know, decades ago, really informed and I think changed a whole generation of leaders in very good ways. And I see that here. We have a very progressive business community here, very open-minded, very accepting for to all kinds of people, and very accepting to new ideas. It could very well be that the county chamber, uh, you know, just sort of attracts those business leaders. I don't know. I'd like to think that that's part of it. But I see that I see a lot of good discussion between government and business. I see a huge amount of cooperation at the federal level, especially when it comes to advancing new technologies. So where we were talking about, well, what technologies do do you use to to uh, you know, improve the environment. Now, you know, that a lot of that's happened. A lot of it's in place. There's more work to do, of course. A lot of it has to do with human behavior. Uh, you know, cybersecurity, if you'd asked a CEO maybe five, six years ago, what's keeping you up at night? They probably would have said, oh, dear, I might get hacked. Well, cybersecurity is necessary by everybody. Federal commercial spaces, right? The world changed on that. That was a hot topic. It's important. Now it's Something you have to have, something you have to do. But what's the last mile there? It's training people. Mm-hmm. Because again, at the end of the day, it's a human environment. So you need to have your, your team, no matter how small or large your company is, mm-hmm. no matter how small or large your federal, state, or local agency is, mm-hmm. you need to have uh, complete buy-in and acceptance by your talent mm-hmm. of how important uh, everything from recycling to making sure that you don't download the wrong thing or put some errant thumb drive into your computer. I mean, it, it becomes a theme throughout a lot of, of where you make the final stretch of the ultimate improvements in the workplace. So it sounds like what you're saying is one of the best things that government could do to help businesses recruit top talent is to grow a crop of talent locally. What's the correlation between uh, and especially in a very global and mobile world, what's the correlation between a government investing in high-quality local schools from the K-12 through to the community colleges to the local colleges, making sure that the public schools are of a top-notch quality? What's the correlation between that and uh, a well-educated workforce that's able to meet the needs of local businesses? Or is it just that, you know, it'd be great to have a nice school system. Maybe some of my employees would like to live here so their kids can go to that system. But maybe uh, we're attracting a lot of talent from all over the country. And people are coming from New York and Los Angeles and wherever, Chicago, uh, because it is easy to move around today. So what's the correlation between a government investing in education and businesses actually having access to that top talent that they need? So uh, on the... To answer the question about what's government's role, I mean, clearly government's role is to, is to think it's, uh, and manage its economic development efforts. Economic development's a, a very important piece of what any government does. Mm-hmm. You know, what kind of world? What, how, are we, how are we managing our garden so our companies can grow? You know, are you, are you plowing the, the fields? Are you tilling the garden so that you're making the right climate, you know, the right circumstances for companies to start and grow? 
Um, we do a great job with ha helping companies start here. Um, I think one of the challenges we, we have is keeping them here. Um, I think economic development is a government function, and it's great to be informed by the private sector, but it is not a private sector function. Economic development, by its very nature, is about uh, building a community and having, having that kind of uh, thought leadership about what are your priorities, who are you trying to attract, and what are the things you need. Well, of course you need uh, a great uh, workforce, a talented workforce. What will attract them? Of course it's a good school system, but it's also going to be great airports, it's going to be housing, it's going to be access to amenities. And I think that the game keeps changing, it's like the goalposts keep moving. I mean, they're the same goalposts, but what people's expectations are for quality of life and the fact that they're more mobile today, you can kind of have a foot in, in a lot of different places. So it's, a, you know, an economic development goal is to, to make sure that you've got the right people who are residents that are going to be invested in the community, that are going to care about it, that are going to get engaged with philanthropic uh, causes to make sure that our, our, our local arts and regional arts and education, everything else. Why succeed. would businesses want to get involved in philanthropy? They and do. Art, they already do. What's their motivation? Well, they live here. Their families are here. It's it's people invest in where they live. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to have residents. So <laughs> it really that, is. You said that one of the uh, top challenges for economic development is business retention. So I'd like to take some concrete examples. Clearly, we have some large businesses located in Montgomery County. We have Lockheed Martin. We have Geico. Uh, we lost uh, Discovery Communications, but we have Marriott International, Host Hotels, right. Honest Tea, and a variety of many smaller businesses. Why have those businesses chosen to remain? So we have a lot of things going for us here. I mean, let's never forget that Maryland, and we like to use the expression Metro Maryland. Mm -hmm. Do you know what that is? The... Prince George's County, Montgomery County, Washington, D.C. metro area? So we actually extended it beyond that. Again, I'm probably because I'm a Chicago and I'm used to driving from, you know, the south end to the north end and back again, uh, is about a one hour's drive. You know, it's a pretty compact area. Well, ours is, is equally compact. So from, uh, if you looked at, if you took like a windshield wiper and you looked at our, our map mm -hmm. very close in, and you took Frederick and Montgomery County and just went, you know, you just did like a windshield wiper over to Baltimore County, Baltimore City. That's 11 or 12 counties right there. Right. It's 87% of the state's population, and it's the ninth largest metropolitan area in the United States, statistically. Hmm. Not a well-known fact, but there it is. There's the data. Mm -hmm. um, and we looked at that because we thought, gee, it's only, it's only an hour from here to there. You would think people were driving right. to the moon and back. Um, but they're, they're, it's a very close-in area. We have other states in the area that refer to them as themselves as northern this or southern that. But here we go county by county. I don't think that that's an asset. I think that that's a liability when it comes to advocating for federal resources mm -hmm. for some of the, the kinds of infrastructure projects you and I discussed before, the, the, mm -hmm. before this taping. And the reason I say that is, is that we are stronger when we work together. And to go county by county is very, I think in today's day and age, parochial. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't speak to the strengths that Maryland has. Maryland's a great state all the way from the most western part to the beach and, mm -hmm. and everything in between. But a huge swath of our population, uh, certainly our seaport, our airport, uh, our university, um, flagship uh, state university. And on either end, we have Hopkins in Baltimore in here. We have incredible 
assets in a one hour's drive. Right. We have military installations. We have, I've lost count of, you know, 20 plus so federal the, agencies that we have here. It's unbelievable. These are the reasons why these are the reasons. Or Marriott yes. will be located here? Yes, because it's always about geography. We have a we have beach tourism at the beach because we have an ocean there, right? Here we have the capital. We have the, the United States capital, and we not only have a big federal presence here, obviously as the nation's capital, but we also have the presence of every other nation in the world right here in Washington DC so international companies do well to locate in the Washington region so now that I've had you defend why this is such an attractive area to locate in yes why do you think we have an issue with business retention so people lamented the departure of discovery mm -hmm. and one of the questions I was asked is oh my goodness you know why did they leave and I said oh my goodness why were they here yeah <laughs> let's go back in time to history, why was Discovery here in the first place? It started in Bethesda with a few people. Even before that, it started with John Hendricks uh, at uh, Maryland, University of Maryland. Yeah. He was here. Mm -hmm. Why is Metamune here? David Mott was here. You know, uh, why is Marriott here? Because the Marriott's were here. I mean, in some ways, things start where people are. It's a human environment. It's just organic. It was, they were organic and, and we're fortunate for that. didn't bring them here. That's right. Economic development didn't bring them. Was it quality of life that brought them here? Or just circumstance of life? Well, I think you'd add, there's a different story with every one of them. Sometimes right. some, some people were born here. Some people moved here, you know, to, to be here uh, after World back. War II. Yeah. Uh, this was an exciting place to be. It was growing. Um, you know, there are a lot of reasons why people would be in the nation's capital. Mm -hmm. And why would they be in Maryland? It's a beautiful state to live in, isn't it? Right. <laughs> I mean, it's gorgeous here. So, uh, so there were all those reasons. So then the question is, well, who did we attract? Um, and there are, there are companies that have been attracted. And, mm -hmm. and there are good people that you and I know that have worked hard over decades' time to mm -hmm. bring uh, companies here from all over the world and all over the country, and that will continue. Um, so in the case of Discovery, Discovery is a media company. Where's the media, where's media happening? It's New a, York. Exactly. And so we're, I'm grateful that we had them for as long as we did. I'm mm -hmm. grateful that, that um, it, the founder was here and started the company, and he had a huge positive impact. This is a good thing. And then as anything, as anybody will tell you, you, you need to keep adapting and evolving, just like everybody does, like all organisms do and all communities do. So you referenced earlier, and we discussed this, um, topic of infrastructure. We would be remiss if we didn't address the final, uh, a major topic um, pertaining to businesses, which is the environment in which they operate, ensuring that things work. Um, you spoke about economic development. What, uh, there, are many, there, there are two predominant uh, theories of economic development. One is to throw um, tons of uh, tax, corporate tax uh, credits to, to corporations in order to attract them and retain them and keep them there, kind of uh, encouraging them, incentivizing them to remain or to come and do business. And the other is to remove obstacles to doing business to make sure that infrastructure uh, is adequate to serve their needs. Obviously, the, uh, the ideal answer would be all of the above, but what do you think, how do you balance out the needs of businesses in Montgomery County uh, and what our community, what other businesses, and what the government, local different levels of government should be doing to satisfy the needs of the business community. Okay, so let's remember that in order to retain companies, you have to constantly bring them new companies to work with, to sell to. You know, B2B is a lot of what any economy is. Mm -hmm. We happen to be very big on B2G here, meaning 
business to government, primarily primarily the federal government, but you know, state and local mm-hmm. procurement as well. But we're in the land of federal procurement. Mm-hmm. Just like if we were in someplace else, Salt Lake City, we'd be in the land of Olympic skiers. Yeah. You, know, you have to know where you are, right? right? Geography matters and what our assets are. So uh, our companies always need new companies. We have companies that sell furniture. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing for them if somebody comes here and needs some, right? Mm-hmm. We have companies that, uh, that uh, you know, in, in every possible way. We have banks, we have services, all kinds of, uh, of our service providers are here. But we have a lot of companies that make and do things. Mm-hmm. And they make and do things so that they can work with other companies, sell their products and their, and their services. We have tons and tons of IT companies here, cybersecurity companies here. They need other companies to work with, just as they do with the federal government. And a lot of our companies uh, are uh, diversified in that they do federal as well as um, commercial work, and increasingly so. I would actually say that that, that's kind of an interesting topic. We we measure this Mm -hmm. in our foundation. Um, In our foundation, we have something called the Veteran Institute for Procurement. Mm -hmm. And a couple of years ago, we did a pilot program to see if we could train veteran-owned small businesses Mm -hmm. that do federal contracting, if we could train them in back offices, uh, you know, compliance areas, mm-hmm. uh, accounting, legal, HR, you know, how, how to manage their um, contracts, their proposals, and the execution. Why were we concerned about that? We had record numbers of veterans coming back, mm-hmm. starting businesses after careers in the military, and they didn't have, they hadn't had 20 years working, you know, in their uncle's company or something. Mm-hmm. So they needed a way to accelerate, and they didn't have the, the, the time to make a lot of mistakes, which happens a lot in business, you know, it's risky. Um, so we started it as a pilot program, and now, all these years later, nine years later, my goodness, we have over a thousand companies from uh, 47 states, DC and Guam, uh, that have graduated, and our companies grow an average of 50% in revenue one year after they graduate just by walking them through, teaching them, having the best minds, by the way. The best minds in compliance are here in Washington, D.C. Again, mm-hmm. where you are matters, mm-hmm. just like the best ski instructors are someplace else. You know, we have that, so we're training those companies. We work with all of our companies, but in our foundation, we have particularly that program. What's exciting is if they, if a company is can can work in the federal space mm-hmm. and meet the ever-rising standards in cyber compliance and uh, and um, different, you know, all the different compliance categories. That company will be incredibly competitive in the commercial space because the commercial space and the federal space, you know, the kinds of things that you have to do in both are beginning to converge. to converge. Exactly. So as we approach the end of this podcast episode, I'd like to ask you a final two-part question. Okay. Um, I'd like to ask you, one, how, uh, why you've been motivated to, to uh, lead the Chamber of Commerce. You had had uh, previous positions here. You, you've, you've grown up in the Chamber. You've, uh, you're leading the, you've been leading the Chamber for quite some time. What is it that drives you to, um, to, to be, be a part of this business community? Why, why do you do that? And the other thing I'd like to ask uh, is to suppose that you're speaking to the members of the Chamber of Commerce, uh, and what would you like to say to them about the impact of the Chamber and of your leadership uh, at the conclusion of your career? What will you hope to be have the opportunity to say? So, what's fun about uh, leadership at the Chamber is that it is a team sport. Mm-hmm. I think leadership is a team sport. I 
I uh, have never thought of leadership as a thing that some, some an individual provides to an organization. Mm-hmm. Hard stop. I don't think of it that way. I think of it as, and the reason I think of it that way is because that's connected to why uh, why it's satisfying work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I literally learn something new every day. Mm-hmm. How many people can say that? Mm-hmm. I learn about artificial intelligence, blockchain technology. I know the people that are developing these programs for the federal government as pilots. Mm-hmm. They're my board members. Mm-hmm. They're, I've got that company. One of those companies is in this building. Mm-hmm. They're amazing. I am so inspired by by what all of my companies are doing. They're solving incredible health problems. They're, we, we've it's incredible what technology, ideas, knowledge we are exporting to the world to solve global problems. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's with the people that I, I have the privilege of working with every day. It's amazing. Um, we do a lot with the federal government at this chamber, mm-hmm. and more so than what uh, typically is true for most chambers of commerce. We have a huge federal government contracting practice here, a lot of programs. We do one of the biggest procurement conferences in the United States, um, and we we do this because that's the industry that um, predominates. Mm-hmm. Um, we hear a lot about development. Development's important, but development is only relevant if you have an end user. Mm-hmm. So who's in those buildings? It's those companies that are coming up with these incredible technology solutions. They are all solution providers. So what's exciting about it is that when they win a contract, when we've helped somebody. Uh, get their ideas across a finish line, and they're changing the world. They, in turn, are hiring. They, in turn, are uh, becoming our neighbors. When they're successful, they're my next generation of philanthropists. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that are going to provide scholarships at Montgomery College and mm-hmm. in universities at Shady Grove. They're the ones that are going to help Imagination Stage with, with the next generation of young talent and young performers. It matters. Mm-hmm. I'm a theater kid. When I was little, I was in the theater, and I spent my childhood in it. And I think it's so important for children to have access to opportunity. But you only have that when you have companies that are successful, and when they grow here, they're more likely to stay here. And when that happens, we have a rising tide lifts all, all boats, right? I mean, I believe in that. Mm-hmm. I totally drank the Kool-Aid on that. Yeah. Uh, and I think that everybody needs to do a little bit. I think the, that our county government... Um, is and all of our leaders realize the importance of having a robust uh, business community. I I see all of them mm-hmm. as interested to know what can they do to help. They ask that question every single one of them. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's an ongoing dialogue, and I think it's something we have to continue to adapt to to address. That has been Gigi Godwin, the president and CEO of the Montgomery County Chamber of Commerce, the treasurer of the Chambers Community Foundation, former president of the. Uh, and co-founder of the Women's Council on Energy and the Environment and a former trustee of Montgomery College, who speaks about uh, fundamentally catalyzing good. By helping ideas materialize for businesses, she's able to create successful businesses that, do, that lead to more growth, the business-to-business growth, and eventually creates the next generation of philanthropists. Uh, she believes in the uh, positive chain of doing good uh, and sees the role of business as inextricably linked to government uh, and to having responsibility in the community and, and having a bilateral, mutually beneficial relationship where the community is also responsible to the businesses. So, Gigi, I'd like to thank you for joining us today. My pleasure, Jordan. Thank you. 
This has been another episode of Public Interest Podcast with your host, Jordan Cooper, where we interview politicians, activists, advocates, and others who seek to improve the state of the world. I'll remind you to subscribe on publicinterestpodcast.com, iTunes, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And please join the conversation by calling 240-630-0380 or emailing engage at publicinterestpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.